going to be people in the world that's going to be like this. There's also a crew that I have that I want to talk about and talk to who should act differently. There's a crowd and there's a crew. So today, I think as we wrestle with this, maybe we begin to think a little bit differently about the return of Jesus instead of it just being an event that is going to happen one day in our life and we get to get out of here and we're done with it all. Rather than that, maybe we consider what Jesus is saying is that, like Noah, if we're on the ship, we need to be part of the crew, not just a bystander in the crowd. Jesus says this in Matthew 24. We're going to start in verse 36. It says, about that day or hour, we're talking about the return of Jesus, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So no one knows. So if someone comes to you and goes, I know when he's coming. I know. I figured it out. I did all the math. I know. I know when he's coming. They don't know. They don't know. The only thing that is certain that they do know is Jesus is coming back. Someone say amen. amen. As, it is, as, it is, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is giving us context. For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at, a, at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch. He always talking to us. Because you do not know what day or, uh, your Lord will come. But know this. There's a command here. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. He wouldn't have lost things. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect him to come. Ah, I love this verse. It's so exciting because in this verse, we have a cause for celebration and we have a cause to see our calling. The celebration is Jesus is coming. That's the celebration. But the calling is also here. The calling is not simply to be a part of the crowd that's going to be bystanders watching the event, but part of the crew that is part of what God is doing in a generation leading up to the event. But before we go, we, we go forward, we have to take it back a little bit. We got to take it back. And to quote one of my favorite movies, Drumline, come on, we got to take it back. We're going to mix a little of my old school with a little of your new. I love that. Someone knows what I'm talking about. Drumline's awesome. Come on, somebody. But why I'm saying that is we have to understand what Jesus was talking about when he says, in Noah's days. So that we can better understand how to navigate the traps of those things in our day. So Jesus starts with, as it was in the days of Noah. When was that? What was that about? What was that generation like? Good question. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of their, of their heart was evil. The Lord regretted that he made man. He grieved him in his heart. He, he said, I'm going to blot him, off, I blot him out off the face of the earth. Verse 11 says, the Lord, uh, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. And God saw and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted it on the earth. Does this sound familiar to anybody? A world of violence, corruption, people following the intentions of their own heart. People who were disregarding the heartbeat of God. This is the generation of the world we live in. But the truth is that this can be our reality as well. Because we can be saved and forgiven and yet still find ourselves influenced by the generation we live in. 
influenced on how we see God, see the things of God, miss the heartbeat of God because of the generation we live in. But we can't miss the verse 8 of Genesis 6 that says, but Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What did he find? Grace. What, what was the environment he was working in? What was he functioning out of? Grace. Undeserved, unmerited favor. He had the favor of God. Not because he deserved it, not because he earned it, but because God poured it out on him. It's the same situation you and I find ourselves in. We are saved by grace. We, we exist through grace. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts of charos, the gifts of grace. We stand in the gifts of grace in our life. So what Jesus is saying is that there was two parties present on the earth. Those who were under judgment, corrupt and violent, and those who stood under the grace of God. There was a crowd, and there was a crew. But isn't it interesting that Jesus, in this text, talks about the same issue he talked about last week in the previous text. That the issue in the generation was a heart issue. It's a heart issue issue. Somewhere along the way, this generation had lost the heartbeat of God. And it's true. This can happen both inside and outside of the church. And it's in losing the heartbeat of God that becomes the issue for us, right? The, the, the love of many will grow cold, Jesus says. And even when it comes to us and how we understand the return of Jesus Christ, because when we miss the heartbeat of God for all people, we will mishandle the return of God to people. We will make it about us escaping something. I'm going to escape something because it's about me rather than us embracing God's heartbeat. What is God's heartbeat? It's found in 2 Peter 3, 9. He says, don't get me wrong, I'm not slow in coming back. I know you think I'm slow in coming back because for you it's been 2,000 years. But I'm not slow in the way you think. It's because I want everyone to come to repentance. I want everyone to come to salvation. Do you hear the heartbeat of God? God is saying, man, I am wearing the restraint of love in this moment. That's what I'm looking for for my people. The reality is one of the traps for the crowd, and maybe it's in our generation and definitely in our, in, our, in our modern church world, is that it's easy in this generation to become desensitized to the message of God. It's easy to become desensitized to the message of God, right? Can we agree somewhere along the way Noah's generation had become desensitized to the message of God? I mean, come on. They, probably for somewhere over 100 years, they had watched Noah build an ark, and talk about becoming the next move of God that was coming. But somewhere along the way, it had become white noise. Now, you and I are all familiar with this effect because we just came out of the electoral commercial cycle. Anyone else get frustrated with all the election commercials that you had to go through? They do, there's like 3,000 of them on, and they're on constantly, and it's, it's all stupid right this person's out to get this guy's a nut job that guy's out to get it's hard and i don't know about you but i tune them out i tune them out i'm sure you do too and what it tells us is that in the natural in the natural it only takes a few weeks for our humanity to tune out a message we think we know already or a message we don't think applies to us noah 
and the church for decades have been giving the same message and the same, the same sign, the same message. Noah was giving the ark, right? Come on. And the message that God was coming. We, for 2,000 years, have given the same message. Come on, somebody. The message that it's Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the same sign, the cross, the cross, the cross. That it's so easy in our generation when we think it doesn't apply to us or we think we've heard the message before to become desensitized to the message of God. Now, I know for us, we're probably thinking, no, that really can't happen to us. That's, that's people outside the church, but it doesn't. We, we in the church, we're always sensitive to the word of God. Mm. Let me ask you a question. How many sermons have you heard on go and make disciples? Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive 70 times 7. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Don't forsake the gathering of the, ga- the brothers together. Keep the Sabbath holy. Come on, somebody, right? right? Be a light unto the world. Salt unto the earth. Jesus is coming back. And yet, how often, like those commercials, does thi- do these messages become white noise? I've heard that parable before. I've heard that voice, that, that verse before. I've heard sermons on that before. And it's easy in this generation to become desensitized to a message that we don't believe applies to us. But do you know what message we carry? Do you know a message we should be carrying? The message that we are carrying is not the message that judgment is coming, although it is. The message that we are carrying today as a church is the ark is here. 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 That's the message we carry. That in a generation that is going through the labor pains Jesus talked about and is experiencing the overwhelming weight that sin and sickness and suffering can unleash on humanity in such a wave of hurt and despair, the message that we should be preaching is a message of hope. Not you deserve it. It's coming for you. Your daddy's got, wait till your, anybody, wait till your father comes home. That's how I feel the church has been presenting Jesus to the world. You better wait. Wait till Jesus comes back. Wait till your dad gets home. No, the message I have is not condemnation is coming. The message I have is the ark is here. The ark is here. That's what our generation needs to hear. Add on top of that, if you will. That it had been ten generations since they had been in the garden with God. Ten generations between Adam's generation and Noah's generation. They'd been away for a while. And the further away from intimacy with God we get, the easier it is for you and I to become desensitized to his word. Maybe you'd like to know that 10 is the number of divine order. 10 is the number of divine order, right? It was 10 commandments that God gave to live out in his community. It was the 10 plagues that came before there was a breakthrough. It's a tenth, a 10% that actually is God's plan to help provide for people in his world. That when, when in the creation event, when God said, God said, let there be, he says, God said 10 times. You and I are born with 10 fingers and... Ten toes. There's a divine order. That's what that generation was meant to live in. But somewhere along the way, desensitivity to the message and distance in their intimacy with God caused something that had but was purposed to live in the blessing of God's divine order 
to find itself in complete, holy disorder. Corrupt, selfish, violent, self-absorbed. We can find ourselves in holy disorder so easy. We see this in Egypt in Exodus chapter 1. The Bible says that, that Joseph had been in Egypt and he had blessed Egypt and God had blessed Egypt through it and brought the children of God into Egypt, if you remember the story. But verse 8 says there was a Pharaoh that rose up who did not know about Joseph. Somewhere along the line, the generation had forgotten what God had done, forgotten his favor, forgotten his blessing. And out of that forgetfulness, out of that desensitivity, they created a culture of tyranny, of oppression, of selfishness, of holy disorder. Because all it takes, my friends, is a little space between you and God. Just a little space of distance, a little space. It's why Paul says in, in Ephesians 4.27, don't even give the devil a foothold. It's not because if you give the foothold to the devil, you're going to hell. It's because if you give the foothold to the, the devil, you're losing intimacy and sensitivity to God. The reality is, my friends, this is what happens when we are disconnected from meeting with God, living in his purpose, submitting to his will. When there's a distance between his voice and our lives. So in order to actually overcome being desensitized to his voice, we need to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the voice of God speaking to us, speaking through us and to us by his voice. That's what keeps our hearts soft to the message. Hearing the voice. I learned this uh, message, uh, I learned this um, principle during the pandemic. Because during the pandemic, uh, and, uh, we uh, went through the tragedy of George Floyd and all that that meant for the, our black community. And, and see, in my life, I had convinced myself that I, I was good because I grew up with black friends and I played football, so I had lots of people from the black community that were my roommates or I hung out with. We always wanted and always had a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. So somewhere around the way, I was good. But this is what I learned. As part of the crowd, it was easy to have black friends without ever feeling the pain of our black community that they felt because I wasn't part of the crew. It's easy to sit back and say, I'm friends with, I see, I bystand, and that's wrong, but it's Less, it's, it's harder to be sensitive to pain when you are part of the crowd and not part of the crew. It, it wasn't the tragedy that changed me. It was me listening to the voice. The voice of the people who are crying out with pain and crying out in hurt and crying out in injustice and crying out with hopelessness that nothing was ever going to change. That It's listening to the voice that changed my heart. It's the same way with God. We need to become more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't take the voice of judgment to move us towards compassion, but the voice of the Spirit of God that moves us to compassion. Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. The more sensitive to the voice we are, the more sensitive to the Word we'll become. Can we agree, my friends, that maybe we are living in a culture, in a generation that's become desensitized to the word? 
then maybe it can influence us as well. The trap is when we are desensitized to the word, we can easily become distracted in our daily lives. Jesus said that they were eating and drinking and, and being married and they had a lot going on, right? The issue was that they were living under the grace of God, yet they were not aware of the grace they were living under. And when we are unaware of the grace we are under, then the pressures we are under gain momentum they're never meant to have. When you and I are living under grace, but we are unaware of the grace that we just sang about, then the pressures that we're living under get momentum they're never meant to have. It's so interesting to me, Jesus talks about eating. He says they're eating. That Greek word is awesome because it actually means they were chomping away at their food. They were chomping away. They, the, we would say they were scarfing it down, right? Well, why is he saying it that way? Because there was a pace to it all, a hurry, a sense that there was so much go, they, they had to do, so much going on, so much they had to do, that they became distracted from what God was already doing. That's part of the distraction of the crowd. Part of being the crowd is that you and I are so focused on what we have to do in our world that we are missing what God is doing, building his ark all around us. It can happen to all of us. Jesus talks about it in the parable of the great banquet feast in Luke chapter 14. He said the master of the house has a great banquet and he invites everybody so that they can enjoy it and they can be blessed. And one by one, the verse says, one by one, they turn them down. One guy comes and says, oh, man, I just bought a new field. I just got a new job. Can't come. Too busy. Other says, I just got six new oxen. I, I got to check them out. I got too much on my plate to show up for fours or shoulder to shoulder. You got to understand I can't come. Other one says, I just got married. We have to spend some time discovering each other. We can't come. They were experiencing favor. They were experiencing grace, but distract, distracted by life. They missed the purpose of that grace, that goodness that God had given to them in their life. They thought, it was to, they thought it was about them. It was actually about him. It was caused, it was brought to close the gap, to say, look how good I am to you, even when you don't deserve it. To close the gap of intimacy. And they allowed it to be a distraction that expanded the gap of intimacy. Come on, if we had to be honest, if we had one of those Facebook lists, you know, one of those social media lists, you know, where it's like list the, your, your favorite candies or cookies or desserts in order, right? And it was, it was a list that was something like this. List this in the priority of your every day. Go to work, pay the bills, get to the gym, get the kids to the after school event, connect with friends, check my social media page, pick up groceries, walk the dog, spend time with God, share the gospel, be the church. If we were honest, what would our list really look like? Because it's easy even for us to live under grace and still get distracted by life. Can we agree that maybe we live in a generation that has been distracted, is living under grace, but distracted by life? And when we are desensitized to the word and distracted by life, it becomes easy to become disengaged with the heartbeat of God. Somewhere along the way, this crowd that was around the generation of Noah lost passion and drive to know God. The ark grew and grew, but nothing changed in the people. Church can grow and grow and grow, 
But if we don't see ourselves as part of it, as people, we quickly become disinterested in it. See, they weren't building the ark. So they became disengaged from the heartbeat, from the mission, from the one who was actually behind building the ark. How easy is it for us to see the church or see the ark growing, but not actually understand God has called us to be a part of it, not a beneficiary of it, a part, not a beneficiary of it, a part of it. The truth is, the Greek phrase that he says they did not know until the flood, that Greek phrase actually means they did not perceive. It does not mean they did not know, no one had told them, they didn't, hadn't heard the word. It means they did not have ears to hear. Isn't that what Jesus tells us all the time? If you have ears, those who have ears, let them hear. Because when we don't hear the word, we become disengaged from the one who's speaking the word. And we lose the heartbeat of that one. And as a people, when we are disengaged from the heart of God, like the crowd around Noah, we are in danger of missing the move of God. Like the church in Laodicea. In Revelation 3, it says, man, they, they were rich. They were prosperous. They were self-sufficient. It certainly is a picture of American life. And he said in verse 15, he said, man, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be cleansing or refreshing. But since you have disengaged from my heartbeat, I will spew you out of my mouth. The issue is, my friends, when we are disengaged from his heart, we make his return only about our rescue from it all. Thank God he's going to get me out of this stuff. Woo! Sure glad Jesus has come back because this place is a pigsty. But, but, he is about everyone being on the ark. We are about... Let's get out of here. I don't care if these people have to stay. They made their bed. Come on, somebody. Lie in it. We're going. No, no, no. God's heartbeat is, I want everybody on the ark. I want everybody on the ark. I want everybody on the ark. The message is not condemnation is coming. Judgment is coming. The message is the ark is here. The ark is here. The ark is here. Generation, there's hope. There's ark is here. The truth is, my friends, that is the crowd that we're, that we're listening to. And those things can influence us to simply become a part of the crowd. But Jesus is trying to stir up his crew in these verses. As part of the crew, we can't become desensitized to the message or disengaged from the heartbeat of God. It simply isn't that, God, that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is telling us in these verses to stay awake. To stay on mission. To be like Noah and prepare the way for the Lord. To build something that will carry people and not condemn people. I don't know about you. I've been a part of places that are building things to condemn folk. I want to make sure we're building something that carries folk. Come on, what does, what does Jesus say his crew, his people are doing here? He says, one is in the, working in the field, and one is working at the mill. He includes men and women because Jesus is as inclusive as you can imagine. But he is not saying that to point out the fact that someone is going to be left behind. 
He's pointing this out because the reality is both the person in the field and both the person at the, at the mill, both the man and the woman, have been sovereignly positioned by God in the field and at the mill for a purpose. And the purpose, we have not been positioned to work our way to heaven, but we've been positioned to let our co-worker, the person next to us, the people around us, to know about Jesus Christ. Like Noah, who did it with both his actions by building the ark and with his words, this is where we, the church, find our opportunities today. Did you notice, I hear this all the time, well, no one, no one wants to talk about Jesus, no, one, no one's interested. There wasn't anyone in Noah's generation coming up to him and asking him, hey, talk to me about how condemned I am. Tell, can, can I, how, talk to me about the salvation I don't have. They weren't asking but it did not change the sovereign positioning that God had placed them in for the purpose he gave them. You and I have been sovereignly positioned with a purpose in our marketplace, in our communities, in our families, in our friend group, and it is not to get along, and it is not to be liked, and it is not to fit in. There's one purpose, it's to make sure they are not left behind. To tell them that there's hope in Jesus. The ark is here. This is the truth. Jesus is reminding us that there's a sense of urgency, not escapism. Oh, hallelujah. I get to leave this mess behind. It's the realization that in the twinkling of an eye, eternity can manifest itself. Just like the first raindrop, when the first raindrop appeared. Do you realize it, it had never rained before? That had never happened before. Jesus has never returned before. But just like at the first raindrop, when Jesus returns, everything will change. But then it's too late. Jesus is reminding us that we can't be desensitized to the message, distracted by our own circumstance and disengaged from his heartbeat. We have to recognize that it's not simply the work we do in the field that matters, but the people who, working, who are working with us in those fields that matter to God. Do you realize Noah means relief? That's what he was trying to bring to his generation. He was trying to bring relief to his generation. Not to do something in order to become something. I can become the next big evangelist. I can become the next big, I can become the next person of favor and position by God. He was simply living out who he was made to be in the generation God had positioned him in. Just like you and I, our calling as disciples is not simply to do something so we can become something. It is to live out who you and I have been made to be in this generation. By the way, just in case you want to see a bigger picture, do you realize that Noah comes from the line of Seth? Now, Seth is the third son of Adam and Eve. He comes after the second son dies because of the first son's sin. Remember Cain killed Abel because Abel's offering was righteous to the Lord. It was after the second son dies because of the, first, the sin of the first son that the third son is born. And this is the line through which salvation comes to the world. It is this generation that is born after the second son dies, after the second Adam dies, that after the second Adam dies. It's the generation that was born after the second Adam died 
that was meant to bring hope to a generation. But it also meant in the natural that Noah still had relatives on earth. Still had Cain's offspring, his cousins, 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 right? So it wouldn't be just about him getting on the ark. He would have realized that there were others who were going to die if he did not live out his truth. This is why Jesus tells us, his disciples, his crew, in verse 42, to keep watch, to stay awake. That's why in the next verse after that it says, if, we, if the person had known the time that the thief was coming, he would have kept his eyes open. He is telling us to keep our eyes open, to live with our eyes wide open. This is what being ready really means. Because when I was growing up, I was always frustrated when people, I don't, if, you, if you have any church background, you may understand what I'm talking about. Because people are like, you better be ready, you better be ready, you better be ready. Jesus comes, you're going to miss it, you better be ready. I didn't know what that meant, right? I made me sit on the edge, but I was so afraid, right? I'm going to miss it. And they'd be like, oh, oh, oh you're going to go to that movie? How about, how about if Jesus comes back, you in that movie? I'm like, I don't know. Does God not like Top Gun? Is he like, you were, you were with Tom Cruise. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can't, I'm out. And there was so, right? Anyone? However, I don't know how to be ready, but I got to be ready. Danielle, I love Danielle's story. She, was, she went to a Christian college. This is a true story. One night, there was an explosion, and they, the girls looked out the window, and the sky was purple. They thought Jesus was coming back. They all run out. Some of them start jumping, right? They're trying to beat him in the air. Some are worshiping. Some are crying. Some are on their knees confessing their sin. You're like, that's a good one, right? That's a good one. They were afraid. They weren't ready. All it was was an explosion at the Limerick Electric Factory. Sometimes we're like, oh man, I'm not right, right, right. That's not what Jesus is saying. Here's the truth. You're either saved or you're not. You're either on the ark or you're not. And notice, no one got kicked off the ark for being too lazy, for mooing too loud, or for being too much of a pig. But this isn't all that Jesus is saying here. He's saying we need to keep our eyes open to what the Spirit is doing to the sovereign positioning that he's placed us in in our life, to have this sense of urgency, that it's an urgent moment, to the certainty that it's not where we are working or what we are doing that matters, but where we stand with Jesus because there's only two realities in this world. You're on the ark or off the ark, in the water or on the boat. You're a sheep or a goat. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. And there's no guest houses in heaven. You've heard me say it before, it doesn't matter that you're saved and your loved ones and your friends are good people. They can't bunk in your crib in heaven. There's no guest houses. This is why Jesus is saying, one will be taken and one will remain. One gets to be with me and one doesn't. Can I just suggest maybe, by the way, as we look at that verse, maybe can I just suggest... That the people who are staying are the people who are on the ark. In Noah's generation, it was the people in the flood that got taken away. And the people in the ark that stayed. And in the following parables, it's the five virgins that don't have the oil that get cast out into darkness. It's the one who doesn't use his talent who gets cast out into darkness. It is the goats that get cast out into the darkness. 
Man, I just suggest, just, just food for thought. Maybe when he's coming back, he's coming back to stay. But whether, or you, whether we go or stay, the clear and present truth is that there is a certainty that some will stay with Jesus and some who for eternity will not. And that should break our hearts because it is God's heart that none should perish but all be on the ark. And he's looking for his crew, the people who are part of the ship, to be part of the crew and get them on board. The truth is, my friends, the ark is a picture of Jesus, isn't it? It's a picture of church. Clean and unclean animals on board. Come on, there's, like, we're going to be in heaven, we're going to be like, I, I, I figured Pastor Ryan was going to be there. I got it, yeah. He's, but, but them? That one? Oh, she made it on board, right? You'd be like, ah, oh. thank God it's not about who we are in our natural state, but who he is in his supernatural one. Thank God it's all about the ark and not about us. But it ain't about being good enough. You're either on the ark or you're not. And finally, guys, just as we close this, but as part of the crew, Look at what Jesus tells us in verse 43. He says, know this. This is a command. Know this. That Greek word to know does not mean intellectually. It actually means to experience this. He's saying, if you want to truly know what I'm talking about, who I really am, you have to keep talking to me. You have to keep having experience in God, keeping intimacy with his heartbeat, not get distracted. Don't grow lukewarm. Too much is riding on this. Why? Because I'm coming like a thief in the night. You won't know it, but I'm on my way. And when I get there, when it starts to rain and the ark is closed up, it's too late for anyone else. Jesus says in Revelation 16, I love this, verse 15, he says about himself, Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is, he, blessed is the one who stays awake. Same verbs. Keeping on the garments I give them so that they may not become naked and ashamed. So Jesus is telling us and saying someone who's ready is someone who's awake. Who would keep watch. Who is standing guard. Who is manning their position. Who is taking up their sovereignly assigned position because the rain is coming and in just one instance the person next to us the person who is sovereignly positioned in our in our sphere of influence in our orb in our relationship could be swept away by the flood in an instant see my friends you and I we don't have the luxury of just being one of the animals on the ark just being along for the ride we're either a part of the crowd or we're part of the crew. And sure, we may have lived our lives in the crowd and in the last minute, because of God's grace, we jump on that ark and we make it to glory. Good. That's awesome. But in so doing, we will miss out on the voice of God speaking into our generation. We will miss the life he had, the life of God that he had for us in this generation. And we will miss the heartbeat of God for our generation. And there will be too many goats who maybe, maybe could have become sheep if we had simply stayed awake.
This is not about getting out of here. This is about getting as many men and women as we can on the ark with us. This isn't about, thank God I get out of this mess. It's, oh God, there's so much mess. How can I bring hope to the people who are in it? God, I see the labor pains, and I know you're coming. But I know the people, while they're going through the labor pains, are suffering. And like me, with our black community, I can't deceive myself and just say, oh, I can be a friend without feeling the pain. When you're part of the crew, you feel the pain. When you're part of a, of a humanity, that is missing the heartbeat of God, you feel the pain. The tears in the middle of the night don't have to be yours for you to cry them. The pain you feel doesn't have to come from your sickness or circumstance for you to be moved by it. There's a voice, a message, a heartbeat of God that's crying out for the generation we're living in. And it's not about so many issues we're trying to make it about. It's about one thing. You're lost and you're hurting and you're trying to do it yourself. And at the end of the day, all that will come out of it is violence and corruption and disengagement from me. So the only questions we're left with as I close today. The real question is not, are we living in a Noah's generation? No, duh. Of course we are. The real question is, is Noah's generation living in us? Are we going to be a part of the bystanders in the crowd who watch it all unfold, hop on the ark at the end? We escape this mess. Or will we be part of the crew that helps build something? Be something. Become something. That will help carry people to hope. Because the message that we have is not that condemnation and judgment is coming, although it is. The message we have is that hope is here. Hope is here. Hope is here. And I don't got to work for it. And I don't have to be good enough to get it. And I don't have to quit something in order to get something. It's not a buy-off and pay-off of my God. It's simply to stand under His grace. And allow His heartbeat to become ours. I don't know where you are with Jesus today. But there's only one ark. And there's only one way. And I find solace in the fact that on that ark, there were clean animals and unclean animals, the Bible says. I find solace in that. Because although I would like to think of myself as a clean animal, I know that when I came to Jesus, I certainly was not. So I'm asking you, we're going to pray, and this whole message has been an altar call for us who've been away from Jesus and 
separated from him, but also for those of us who have been bystanders for far too long. Watch church go by, benefited from what God is building, lived under the grace, but not been a provider of grace. Today's the day to change that. So can we pray together? My friend, if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, to forgive you of your sin, to make space on that ark for you, to become your king and your savior, today's the day. The Bible simply says, if I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior with my mouth and believe in my heart that he died for me and he rose again, that his work was enough, that today I'll be saved. Today I get on the ark. Today's my day. Then I get to choose how I'm going to be part of the crew, but today's the day to get on the ship. Today's the day to surrender all of the struggle and self-drive and internal frustration that we have. Because none of that comes from God. He's the God of peace and of hope. And this isn't simply about going to heaven one day. It's about meeting the God of heaven right now. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart and today you want to, you pray from the bottom of your heart. He's going to meet you right where you are. If, if maybe you've prayed that prayer before, but to be honest, you've kind of walked away. You're finding yourself at distance with God. Today's the day just to come home. Same, same words. I'm just coming home, Daddy. Here I am. He will run to you with arms wide open. So let's pray. But if that's you today, receive his salvation. Receive his gift, his love, his grace today. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my whole life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I know I can't cleanse myself. So I'm asking you to cleanse me today. To forgive me of all my sin. To draw me close to you. To fill me with your spirit. To help me hear your voice. So that I may live for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, can we give God some glory? Thank you, Jesus, for men and women making decisions today in this room and online and in the hospital room, in the living room, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we do not have a message of judgment. We have a message that the ark is here. Look, my friends, if you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time or maybe coming back to Jesus, I want to invite you right back to these tables, right back here, uh, for a moment to meet with Pastor Rick. He has a free gift he'd like to give you. He has a book, a book that he wrote that is brilliantly uh, written to explain uh, the process. But if you are someone who has known Jesus for a while, can I encourage you to not let this sermon sit on the shelf. 
Look, I don't know theologically, I have my own theological beliefs, but I don't know theologically whether the person stays or the person goes, right? That's not even the real message of the story. The real message of the story is that one gets to spend eternity with Jesus and one does not. And that God's desire is that his house would not be robbed. That not anything that is valuable in the house, which is people, would be lost. So he's telling his crew to stay awake. Are we, men and women of Connect, crowd that gathers on a Sunday morning, or crew, part of the ship, part of the crew? I can't decide it for you, but I will live life with you if you decide to be part of that crew. I want to encourage you just as we get ready to go. Because being part of the crew is being part of what we do as a people to influence and impact people's lives, to bring hope. That's part of what TKC does. It's part of what Thy Kingdom Crumb, our mobile food truck, and our food ministry does, is to bring hope to people. But it's what we do as a church. And part of the ways that that happens is through our tithe and through our offerings, right? Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit. I talked about that 10, that number 10, 10th. Your first fruit is a tithe. Your 10th being a divine order. How God has purposed to be able to make a difference in community. And that's part of being part of the crew. Is saying, you know what, I want to play my part in being a part of changing other people's lives. And that's what happens when you give every Sunday morning. You can give, as you see up on the screens, you can give with these envelopes that are there on the, 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 the tables around you. You can drop those in the gold kiosk as you want. You can always give by setting up online. But when you give, it makes a difference in people's lives. And it makes a difference in your life. Because the Bible says when we give with worship, it becomes a praise of worship to our king. So just don't drop it in. Don't just push send. Do it with praise. God, you're awesome. I know that I am under grace, so I am not living under the pressure of having to do something. I'm living under the opportunity that I get to do something. While you're filling these envelopes out, let me just tell you about the one last thing that we have with, about TKC. Coming up, we have uh, our Thanksgiving outreach. It's one of the biggest things that we do all year, that, the Christmas toy store. There's so many other things that we do. But this is a gigantic outreach where we literally provide Thanksgiving meals for families all over uh, South Jersey and Philly. And so you see the boxes that are out there. Our TKC team, they put together... Um, uh, just a list of uh, groceries that you could pick up. It tells you how many. It tells you which kind. Uh, we only have one more week to bring that back in. This list is also on that QR code. It's also electronically. I pulled it up the other day when I was in the supermarket, so I had it with me. Uh, easy to find. Be a part of that. 
But one of the other things that you could be a part of when, in light of that is not this Monday. Say, not this Monday. Right? Next Monday, next Monday, we will be packing all the boxes with the turkeys and the stuffing and the, all the stuff on that list. We're going to be packing. We're going to pack in this room because it's also the Monday Night Eagles football game. So we're going to put them up on the big screens. We're going to have a great time. Food and football. Come on, how it gets better. Food and football and making our community family feel like family. That's what it's about. Um, well, that was so good, Manny. Thank you for having that on. My son is going to run as fast as he possibly can to make this possible, but... Um, I was just thinking that sometimes it helps people like me to have a conversation starter. Uh, sometimes if you're, if you're just naturally chatty person, it's probably easier to just jump right into Jesus conversations. <laughs> but sometimes for those of us that don't have that gift, it can be something that we have to think about. We have to think about the start. Right, maybe once we get in there, we, we feel comfortable because we were talking about Jesus and we love him. But it's the, it's the bridging of the gap. So um, what I asked Jake to go get were our books. Kyle mentioned it earlier, the Surprise of Your Life books. Um, Pastor Rick is my dad. And I know what went into writing that book. I know the journey that he's taken with God I knew him before he loved Jesus, and I knew him after he loved Jesus. And I know what life looks like when you, wh whether you have him or whether you're not, life, life's. And that book is something that will help you have a conversation with someone. And then when you give them that book, yep. the conversation continues because the book is extremely conversational. If, if you've read it, you know. It's like, he, my father, we're very Italian. <laughs> so he writes like an Italian. And it's just very engaging and it's very disarming. And we do this for free. We give this book for free because we believe that it is a, an, incre an incredibly important piece of a conversation to have with people that you love. So... Um, I asked Jake to put them at the door. So as you leave, would you mind grabbing one and just talking with Jesus this week about who can I give this to? Yeah. And you can even say to them, I have something for you. If you wouldn't mind, read it. And then I'm going to take you for coffee and we'll chat. Yeah. And then that way you're not, can you go through the book right now? What do you think? What are your thoughts? <laughs> what do you think of chapter two? It's not a book club, right? <laughs> it's just a starter. It's so a way for someone to understand in their own time, in their own rhythm, without having the yeah. pressure of us standing over them, yeah. understand the heart of Jesus, and then it gives you an easy opportunity to then have a, have a chat Absolutely. and change somebody's life yep. and include somebody on the ark. Babe, we also have that video. The video. The video. That is on, um, yep, the video is on yes. the QR code on the church app. It's there as well that, that you can watch, that people can watch. Uh, to uh, I know it's not an app it's a <laughs> social media platform um, but it's there hey we, we're just wanna, we want to equip you we can't encourage you to be something and not equip you to be it so why don't you stand with me really quick
This week is our last week of uh, Shoulder to Shoulder and Forged uh, for this month because uh, the following week is uh, Thanksgiving. Lots of people will be cooking and cleaning. Somebody say amen. Decorating for Christmas. Anybody decorating for Christmas? In, my, in, our, in, our, uh, in our town, we have our main event, for Christmas main event, on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Which sounds like it's lovely. That's a lovely time of year to have it. Except for that means all of us who live on the main street have to decorate their houses before Thanksgiving. Now for some of you, you're like, that's awesome. How can I move to that town? Right. All right. We're just going to pray. Shut up, Kyle. We're going to pray. My King, you're worthy. May your words today not fall on deaf ears or closed hearts. May we not become desensitized to your message, distracted by our circumstance, or disengaged from your heartbeat. Your children desire one thing, that we may love you with everything we've got and make that love known to everyone that you love. Help us to hear your voice to speak your word, to see our sovereign position, and give us the boldness to share your word and your gospel to those who are struggling in this world to find hope. Bless our going in and our coming out. May your light shine in us and through us and into the world around us that others may know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, church. I love you. Have a great week. Be the crew.